seriously popular. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Lucy Letby is accused of the murder of seven babies and the attempted murder of ten others. While she was working on the neonatal unit at the Countess of Chester Hospital. Letby denies all of the charges over the incidents. Lucy Letby was the only person working on the night shift. It was alleged in court that their mother was apparently told by Miss Letby, trust me, I'm a nurse. This is a podcast about one of the most anticipated criminal trials for years. It involves the most shocking of allegations, the alleged murders and attempted murders of tiny, premature babies at the hands of a neonatal nurse whose very job it was to look after them. Lucy Letby is on trial at Manchester Crown Court, accused of killing seven infants and injuring ten more at the Countess of Chester Hospital in Cheshire. In total, there are 22 charges, all of which she denies. I'm Liz Hull, Northern Correspondent for the Mail, I will be in court to report on the case as it develops. And I'm Caroline Cheatham, a broadcast journalist. Every week on this podcast, we'll examine what's happened and bring you the details behind the headlines. This is the trial of Lucy Letby. The case against Lucy Letby is that she murdered or tried to kill 17 babies while she was working as a neonatal nurse at the Countess of Chester Hospital in the northwest of England. She denies the charges. The babies in this trial are not being named for legal reasons, and the identities of their families are also being protected. They're known only as babies A to Q. Seven of the babies died. Ten survived. Each one of these babies was or is someone's son or daughter and the mums, dads and families of every baby are present in court, listening to every detail of how their child was allegedly killed or harmed. We'll be bringing you that detail as the jury is hearing it from the prosecution and defence. We're getting behind the headlines to explain far more than the news reports you'll be reading, watching and listening to. And the importance of a fair trial is paramount, so we won't be getting into anything in this podcast that the jury have not been told. 
because they are the 12 people who have to decide the outcome of this case. The jury's hearing about each baby in turn. They've been told 17 babies were allegedly killed or harmed by Lucy Letby between June 2015 and June 2016. Today, we'll explain that the final baby in this case allegedly collapsed after being injected with liquid by Lucy Letby. It's the first time in this trial that Lucy Letby is accused of trying to kill a baby using water or saline. We'll also hear that the alleged attack was the third attack on babies in the unit on three consecutive days. And we'll explain that it was after this final alleged attack that Lucy Letby was removed from the ward and later moved to a risk and patient safety office. Welcome to episode 27, the final baby, Baby Q. So Liz is still away and Kim is here again. Kim, thanks for resuming your co-hosting duties. It's been a really busy few days in court, so let's start by outlining what the prosecution say about Baby Q, who, as we've just said, is the final baby in this case. Yes, Baby Q was a baby boy born in June 2015 at almost 31 weeks and weighing a little over two kilos at the Countess of Chester Hospital. His mother had a tricky pregnancy and was in a lot of pain. And at about nine weeks, doctors found an ectopic pregnancy and she had to have surgery to remove Baby Q's twin. The surgery was a success, but at 26 weeks, she started bleeding and she went to the Countess. Now she was kept in and the plan was to deliver the baby at 34 weeks. But five weeks later, she started to bleed heavily and doctors found her placenta had ruptured. So baby Q was delivered at 31 weeks and immediately placed on the neonatal unit in nursery one, which was the intensive care room. A statement from baby Q's mum was read to the court. It's been voiced by actors. I recalled that when I woke up from the anaesthetic, I had to wait 12 hours before I could see baby Q. I was told baby Q was on a ventilator to help his breathing. After birth, he was placed under a jaundice lamp in room one. I remember I was taken to the NNU at about 4pm that day. Once there, I didn't get to hold him, but I was able to put my hand into the side of the incubator. When I talked to him, he opened his eyes for the first time. So baby Q was progressing and after initially being in the intensive care room, he was moved to nursery two. He wasn't on a ventilator and was considered to be stable. He'd even started having tiny milk feeds, just 0.5 mils every two hours. At about 7.30am on Saturday, June the 25th, 2016, Lucy Letby arrived for a day shift. Now, just to remind you of what the prosecution alleged to have happened in the days before, they say on Thursday, June the 23rd, Lucy Letby murdered baby O, and the following day she murdered his brother, baby P. Later that same day, the hospital's lead neonatal consultant asked a senior hospital manager to remove Lucy Letby from the ward but his request was refused. So she arrived for work as normal the next day and she was looking after baby Q in nursery two. Now she was also the designated nurse for a baby in nursery one. Now at around 9am, Lucy Letby asked nurse Mary Griffith, who was caring for a different baby in nursery two, to keep an eye on baby Q so she could check on her other baby in nursery one. At 10 past nine, just a few minutes after she left the room, baby Q's alarms went off. Nurse Griffith shouted to the shift leader, Minalapalainen, who was standing outside the room at the nurse's station, to help. Baby Q had vomited, 
His heart rate had fallen and his oxygen levels had dropped to what the jury heard were life-threatening levels. A number of staff rushed in and Nurse Lapalainen told the court she used a suction to clear Baby Q's airway of clear fluid that he'd vomited and he was also given oxygen via a Neopuff face mask. The registrar on duty, a doctor we've been referring to as Dr A, was emergency bleeped and later air was also aspirated from Baby Q's tummy. Baby Q stabilised quite quickly but doctors were worried because he was getting tired which meant he was struggling with his breathing. He was put back on a ventilator in Nursery One. The following day, Baby Q was put on antibiotics in case he had a bowel condition known as NEC or NEC, as he was producing dark green bile. Tests were carried out and the decision was taken to move him to Older Hare Children's Hospital for more specialist help. Once there, he recovered quickly and he was sent back to the Countess just two days later. He was allowed to go home a few days after that, and he's now seven years old. The prosecution alleged that the clear fluid Baby Q had vomited before his collapse was water, or saline, which had been forced down his nasogastric tube by Lucy Letby. Medical expert witness Dowie Evans, who we've heard a lot from during this trial, told the court that in his view, Baby Q had crashed at ten past nine and was in a life-threatening condition after the alleged attack. He told Nick Johnson... I deduce he couldn't have vomited clear fluid or vomited anything at all unless some clear liquid was forced down his nasogastric tube before 9.10 with or without some air as well. There was enough clear fluid injected down into his stomach to make him vomit, quite a significant amount of fluid. He would not have deteriorated in dropping his oxygen saturations and dropping his heart rate unless he had experienced this phenomenon where his diaphragm had been interfered with. He was unable to breathe properly because his tummy was full of liquid. Once he vomited, that was nature's way of unsplinting his diaphragm so it was easier for resuscitation to be successful. So after Baby Q collapsed, Dr John Gibbs, a senior consultant on the ward, was worried and he was overheard by Lucy Letby asking another nurse about what had happened. You remember that Dr Gibbs has now retired, but he told the court that after the deaths of Baby O and Baby P, who were two of three triplets, the consultants on the ward had reached a tipping point, that the association between Lucy Letby and unusual collapses and deaths on the ward needed to be investigated. So after the collapse of Baby Q, Dr Gibbs wanted to know which nurse had been looking after him, and in court he was asked about this by Mr Johnson. His replies had been voiced by an actor. I do remember that there was heightened concern about what was happening on the neonatal unit. I was concerned about the increasing number of unusual and unexpected deaths. He said the collapse of Baby Q was two days after the death of Baby O and one day after the death of Baby P. I was worried about what was happening on our unit. I wanted to know who had been looking after him. I wanted to know who had been looking after Baby Q at the time he had desaturated. I just wanted to know. I would not usually want to know, but because concern about what had been going on in our unit was growing, I wanted to know who had been looking after Baby Q. Dr Gibbs told the court he couldn't remember which nurse he'd spoken to, but he said, I knew if I spoke to one nurse, it would be known about by other nurses. And he was right. Lucia Letby did become aware of Mr Gibbs asking questions, 
and in a series of Facebook messages sent between 10.46pm and 12.17am on the evening of Baby Q's collapse, she sought reassurance from Dr A. Their messages have been voiced by actors and begin with Lucy Letby. Do I need to be worried about what Dr Gibbs was asking? No, he was asking to make sure that normal procedures were being carried out. What exactly did he ask? I walked into equipment room. He was asking Mary who was present in room and how quickly someone had gone to him as I wasn't in the room. He asked who was there. I said I had popped out of room, but Mary was in room and Mina at the desk. All he was doing was checking that there wasn't a delay and that a room had been left empty. There is nothing to worry about. Okay, was worried because I wasn't with him at time. But Mary was in room, and Mina outside. I had B in one. You can't be with two babies in different nurseries at the same time, let alone predict when they're going to crash. I know, and I didn't leave him on his own. They both knew I was leaving the room. Feel better now. Nobody has accused you of neglecting a baby, or causing a deterioration. I know. Just worry I haven't done enough. How? We've lost two babies I was caring for, and now this happened today. Makes you think, am I missing something, slash good enough? Lucy, if anyone knows how hard you've worked over the last three days, it's me. The standard of care delivered is tertiary NICU level. If anybody says anything to you about not being good enough or performing adequately, I want you to promise me that you'll give my details to provide a statement. I don't care who it is. I don't care if I've left the trust. Promise? Well, I sincerely hope I won't ever be needing a statement. But thank you. I promise. And I don't either. You'll know that the Countess of Chester Hospital NICU mortality rate is a bit higher than the network average. It makes people, brackets, consultants, look at trends and patterns. That may have been why Dr G came to ask. As for the self-doubt... You asked me this morning, did I dream because I was worried about having missed something? No, and I don't think you did either. No more doubt. It's not you. It's the babies. Thanks. Really appreciate you saying that. So relieved that it's you who has been there throughout. It's true. You are one of a few nurses across the region that I would trust with my own children. If you're worried, I'm worried. Don't know what to say. Thank you. Self-doubt finished? I think so. Thank you. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Lucy Letby denies harming any babies in this case, and her defence barrister Ben Myers Casey questioned Dr Evans about his view that fluid being injected into baby Q was to blame for his collapse. He also said baby Q had not crashed, as Dr Evans had alleged in his evidence to the jury. We've become quite used to Dr Evans and Mr Myers clashing in court, and this was no exception. Mr Myers accused the doctor of changing his evidence because initially when he reviewed the case, he hadn't mentioned fluid being injected into baby Q. Their exchange has been voiced by actors and begins with Mr Myers. Your view is that the incident of the morning of the 25th of June is due to fluid and air being forced down the nasogastric tube. A fluid or fluid and air? It's definitely fluid because he vomited fluid, maybe air as well. You have recognised that the air aspirate from the NGT could have got there from the neopuffing, yes? As for the fluid, I am going to suggest that is something you have added at a late stage. I think in all these cases I have said in the evidence on a number of occasions that I had to rely on notes that I have been presented with and the more accurate the information we get, the more accurate your opinion is. Mr Myers pointed out that Dr Evans' first report in November 2017 stated the deterioration in the morning of the 25th of June was due to inappropriate care because he was given a lot of air via his nasogastric tube and down to his stomach. He went on to say that Dr Evans' second and third reports in June 2018 and January 2019 repeated the same opinion. He went on. What you are focusing on at that point exclusively is air. Now, you have reached this point where you have added fluid now to keep the mechanism going keep the allegation going, rather than reflect the facts. No, no, no. You've got it wrong again. We are here now, and we have heard the evidence from the people who were looking after him. I have never heard this before last Friday. So going on about what I wrote in 2017 and 2018 and 2019 is rather missing the point. I am going to suggest that blood-stained bile on the 23rd of June is consistent with a gastrointestinal problem. It simply does not explain the vomiting of clear fluid and the crash at 9.10 or thereabouts. Whatever it is, there is not a crash at 09.10? It is a crash. He needed resuscitation. He needed a neopuff. His oxygen saturations were 68. That's life-threatening. That's a big concern in a little baby. An experienced registrar had been called quickly. That's a crash. That's a gross exaggeration, isn't it? It is not. I know what I'm talking about when it comes to babies deteriorating. 
After her arrest, Lucy Letby was asked about her account of that morning. She told detectives that she returned to Nursery 2 after 9.10am to see Baby Q being attended to as he had vomited. He was mottled and desaturated. She said she didn't see the vomit. She was told he had vomited clear fluid. When she was asked about the air in Baby Q's stomach, she suggested that babies sometimes gulp air when they vomit. She accepted that Baby Q had collapsed within minutes of her leaving Nursery 2 and said he was stable or she wouldn't have left him. She denied deliberately leaving the room to blame the collapse on other staff. She also denied administering air via his nasogastric tube or acting in any way to cause his collapse. She said it was a coincidence that he became unwell after she came on duty after being stable overnight and she said premature babies could deteriorate at any time. So the prosecution has now outlined its case in relation to all of the 17 babies in this case, from baby A to baby Q. The allegation against Lucy Letby is that seven of the babies were murdered and that she attempted to murder ten more. So Kim, what happens next? Well, the prosecution still have a little more evidence to outline to the jury and that will be happening after the Easter break. And then from there, the defence will start to outline their case that Lucy Letby is not guilty of arming any of the babies in this case. So the court's having a short break for Easter, as we said, but we'll be here as usual next Monday. Liz will be back in the hot seat by then and we'll be explaining a series of messages and emails that we've been shown in court which involve Lucy Letby at the time that she was being removed from the ward. We learned in court that after the collapse of Baby Q, Lucy Letby was called at short notice by a senior nurse and told not to come in. She was told to stop working night shifts and finally in July 2016 she was removed from the ward. Hospital managers moved her to a department called the Risk and Patient Safety Office. They actually told other staff that she'd accepted the opportunity of a three-month secondment in that department, but Lucy Letby told another nurse by text message that she'd not been moved by choice and she later lodged a formal grievance against the hospital. We'll be bringing you more on this aspect of the case next week. Kim, thanks for standing in. Liz is back next week, but I know you'll still be in court covering the case. Thank you, Caroline. Yes, I'll be there. You can still read reports on the case in the Mail and on Mail Plus. Just before we finish, we wanted to say a massive thank you for listening to us. The podcast has now had over a million downloads and we're just so grateful you're following what we're doing on this trial. So keep listening, please share and give us a rating. You can also follow us on Twitter at Lucy Letby Trial or send us an email at thetrialofluciletby at gmail.com. See you soon. See you next week. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.